My name is Josie Dye. I'm a broadcaster on Indy 88. Welcome to the music. Our next guest spent nearly 20 years hosting the Midday Show at 102.1 The Edge. She's been performing on stage in one form or another since she was a nine-year-old in the Toronto suburb of Pickering. Today, she hosts the popular morning show on Indy 88. She is a runner and avid supporter of a number of causes and charities locally and is a huge inspiration to many women in TV and radio across the city and country. Please welcome to the show our 200th guest and mom of two adorable boys, Josie Dye. Hi. Wow. Welcome. That was a beautiful intro. Thank you. He's good at that. Yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, yeah. I'll sit down now, Greg. You <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that we do like to do, Kareem and I, are, we're very patriotic, right? Would you say? Absolutely. Right? We, we, we support our, our Canadian teams and everything. So we like to start off our podcast with the national anthem. And what we usually do is we ask our guest. So funny. I'm kidding. So funny. I'm kidding. I mean, like, I'm come on. Kidding. That was like, that would be funny in 2007. I know, I know. That's <laughs> so, all we're doing with it. That's it. It's over. Next. Go okay, ahead. wait, no, no, no. For those, this is not inside baseball show. So for those who don't know, you sang. Yeah. Did you tell the story? It's your story. I sang the national anthem. Um, can you swear on your podcast? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Okay. I did it for a television show. I fucked it up. I was probably of everybody who's ever fucked up the anthem in the world. I think I was rated number two behind Roseanne Barr. I sold the rights to this YouTube, well, my actual um, video, to uh, Funniest Home Videos, and I won $10,000 for it. From there, I pivoted the worst thing that happened to me into a national radio show, which went across Canada. From there, I sold the dress that I did on the actual O Canada uh, on eBay. Um, and I think I springboarded probably one of the worst things to happen to me into the best thing that happened to me. So if you ever get a chance to fuck up O Canada, do it. <laughs> do it. Yes, do it. $10,000. $10,000 per airing. I actually got almost $60,000 from that. Come on. Yep. I have yep. no idea. Yep. And ESPN, so ESPN and Finance Home Videos is... I do believe owned by the same company, so they aired it a lot, and then they had to pay me royalties. So yeah, wow, it was great. That's a good deal. I know, I know. Here, I thought that was just gonna be some quick little bit to make no. fun, and we'd move on. I actually did a TED talk about it, um, and I've been talking a lot about it, and people, you know, everywhere are really interested in how what went, what happened, and how you get from that kind of a situation and move on from it, and because it's really horrible to go through something like that. Yeah. And so the, the humiliation is just it's horrible. And people think they're always prepared for something, but they're never prepared for that kind of humiliation. I can't imagine what it'd be like to be a celebrity and, you know, have something in the media like a Kardashian or something like that. So um, I think you just got to take the best of what comes your way. And, and I own it now. And I'm, uh, I'm even cool with hearing it sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. All right, My so kids sing it a lot right now. They're learning it in school and they come home singing it. I'm like, oh, 
Do they one know day, the story? Oh, no, they're four and six. I'm like, one day you'll know yeah. when they're what fif- I did. When they're 15 and they're pissed off with you, they're going to yeah. turn it on when yeah, you walk yeah. in the door. Yeah. yeah. Don't tell me what to... How do you... So growing up in Pickering, mm-hmm. um, I mean, now you've been on the radio for umpteen years. Were you always a fan of radio? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was... Um, so I wanted to be a singer... And <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't, right? <laughs> and um, my, my come from a family of musicians. And uh, my dad said to me, you know, if you are going to be anything in music, you'll do that on your own. So make sure you actually go into university for something else, just in case, to have a fallback. And I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do, except for the fact that I listened to the radio all the time to hear music. And so I, uh, I kind of chose that. Which, which stations were you listening to? Oh my god! I like six forty. Was it like the Hog or something back then? Or yeah. I don't know, six eighty too. I mean, I'm talking. I was really young, so way back. So then. back when music was on six eighty. Yeah, music was on six eighty. I also would listen to Humble and Fred on CFMY. Yeah, and six eighty, six forty. I would just basically turn from one to the other. I, I really just listened for the music, and then when I heard a broadcaster, I'd kind of try to do the same thing they did. Interesting. When when I think about like your time at at the edge in CFNY, um, I think about a lot of the you know strong female broadcasters. Like think of May, and then May. I think you took over for May. Yeah, right? for the... I took over for Kelly. Oh, for Kelly, sorry, um, May before. May before May was somebody that I used to listen to all the time, all the time. So when May was there, I wasn't there. She had just left um, to do, but she was in the building because she was doing six forty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she was definitely somebody who I. I loved listening to her on the radio. There's the sound of her voice. Yeah. So it was soothing. I actually heard her do a commercial on CFMY, or I guess The Edge, like yesterday. And it, I, it made me think, oh, my God, I'm back in the 90s of CFMY again. It was really cool. Was there, was there a, a DJ or, or a host television radio that you looked up to at that time? Was it, was it May Pots? It was probably May. Yeah. I'd say so for sure. Um, yeah, I would probably say May for sure. She would be the one that I think I've, I've always told her that. She'd be the one that I would try to mimic. And I'd rec- do a lot of recording on my, like, my little tape deck. Yeah. And then I would try to put myself, you know, take her out and put me in. <laughs> so, Yeah. So you didn't? Did you, you did you go to college or university? Did I went you, to Ryerson, Ryerson for radio and television. Radio and television. Yeah. So you knew right away this is what you wanted to do. Um, no, I mean <laughs> it's weird. So I was always like I, I wanted to be a singer. I I was in musical theater. My parents put me in it like when I was really young. Um, so I did musicals in the city. Um, and I and I started interning at ninety nine point nine when I was ah. before university. So my parents were always like, you need to know and you need to go for what you want to do in like grade nine. So when I was in grade 10, I took the bus down to the city to intern at 99.9. So I kind of already had that. And then, um, and then I went to university and thought, oh, I'll probably do radio or TV because it's a radio and TV program. So I knew I was going to do one of the two. What were you doing at, uh, at 99.9? Um, before university? Yeah, before yeah. university, I was interning first at CFRB and then I came over to uh, 99.9 and I was a producer. And then um, in my second year at university, I started doing 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. on air on Saturday nights. Just talk or? 
just like talk three times, like over the song. That's it. I wow. come in live from 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. on a Saturday night. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you get to play your own music? No. <laughs> no, it's, I just talked the three you times. That's all I did. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else. That's it. Don't yeah. just give her the mic for a little while. Just to shut me up. Cause I just wanted it so bad. The program director was like, all right, I'll give you one hour on a Saturday night just to shut you up. Yeah. So you talked about doing theater. As a child, do you do you remember? Yeah, your first performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember. Um, I, I think it still exists. The Limelight Dinner Theater. Limelight Dinner Theater. That I rings do a believe bell. it's still yeah. on, like near Eglinton on Young Street. Yeah. So I did that. Um, I played the role of Emerellis in um, The Music Man. And uh, that was, I was in grade four and I had a tutor. I didn't, I went to school half time and had a tutor. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you and Greg have known each other for how long? 10 years? I think so. Coming up on 10 years? 10 years. Yeah. Outside of music and travel, there's something the two of you have in common. Like if you go back to when you were nine years old. Pickering? Music theater? The Music Man. You were in The Music Man? <laughs> no. Yep. Who, who did you play? Winthrop. You played Winthrop? Yep. You were my love. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so does anybody know what this musical's about? Is it a play or no, a musical? No, everyone's like, God, stop talking <laughs> about musicals. Talking about? Nobody wants to hear about musicals So tell right us now. about, what was The Music Man about? Oh my God. Craig? <laughs> so it's, it's basically a guy who comes into town and uh, to town thinks he's a... A grifter, I guess you will say. Yeah. And he comes in to teach the kids how to play music. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it seems like it's this hoax and he's not... Well, I guess he does go from town to town. He's a con artist. He's a con artist. He does. And he goes from town to town, but he falls in love with Winthrop's sister. Yeah. Right? If I remember this correctly. I think so, yeah. Marianne. She was the music teacher. She was the music teacher. Sure. And Amarellis, (laughs) or as Winthrop would have said, Amarellis. Emerellis, because he had a lisp. Because he had yeah. a lisp. Mm-hmm. He, uh, so ridiculous. <laughs> Emerellis loved Winthrop, but Winthrop, of course, being whatever, nine, eight years old or whatever If you whatever heard the music, you would like the musical, yeah. right? Yeah. If you heard the music, you would total, like it. Total context, yeah. Can you play the music underneath this? We'll do, we'll do better than the music. Okay. Why don't we act a bit of it? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so <laughs> here's... That's... Whose line is that? That that's would be me. your line. That's me, actually. All right, I'll play Mrs. Peru. I am so not doing this. Okay. I have a rule. Do you know my rule? What's your rule? I have a radio rule now that myself and Matt and Carlin, we have already decided. And we have a few radio rules on the morning show. And our rule number one, never act. Ever, ever, okay, so ever yeah. act. No acting involved. You'll no just acting. recite the lines. Here we go. <laughs> I'm having a party on Saturday. I'd like you to come. <laughs> well, Amaryllis asked you to her party. Are you going or not? Oh, I have more? No. Oh, that's you. No what? No thank you. You guys have this already worked out. No thank you who? (laughs) You know the little girl's name. Wait, my part? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Where am I? Where am I? This one, this one. Oh, I bet he won't say it. I do remember these things. No thank you who, Winthorpe? No thank you, Amaryllis. Amaryllis, Amaryllis. <laughs> and scene. Yes. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The music, man. 
I was young. We'll see if that gets edited when this goes live <laughs> on the site. <laughs> so working the edge. Yeah. For all, what, 17 years? Almost, yeah. Yeah. Where, did you start off at the afternoon show or, or did you sort of work your way up there? What were you doing first job there? I uh, swing announcer. So I did every job. Uh, so the swing announcer on radio station, they basically, they mostly do weekends and overnights, but when somebody is away, they will also cover their shift. So if the morning show's away, you cover their shift. If the afternoon show, you just basically cover everybody's shift. You're all over the radio station. Yeah. Doing yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Was that your first, outside of the 4 a.m. shift at CFRB, was no. this, this your first sort of... Real role in radio? No, I actually did um, swing shift at 99.9 Okay. before I went to CFMY. Ah, yeah. So nice. I was doing swing at, I guess, now the at Virgin, and then I left to go to, to the, uh, the Edge. Okay. Yeah. So going to the Edge, young woman, just getting started in radio a few years, an iconic station. Yes. What were your thoughts going into that? Oh my God, I remember my sister buying me a book about rock music. <laughs> and she's like, I remember saying, because you love this music and this is part of you, but you don't have to, you don't, like, I never pretended to be something I wasn't. I never pretended to be a music expert. And then when you're on the edge at that time, so this is back at the beginning, like, this is, I guess, 2000s, early 2000s people expected the broadcasters to be music experts. So I remember my sister getting me this rock book and I knew who, Nir how did I say it? Um, Nirvana was. <laughs> and she's like, don't ever say Nirvana. I was like, why? She's like, you don't understand. People will really like, they'll rip into you. It's Nirvana. Don't ever say Nirvana. So like little things like that were, were really hard to figure out. Um, but it just took some time, and then, and then I, I got, I hope, hopefully I figured it all out. So that brings me back to episode 100. Remember when, when we had Maestro, when I had Maestro? <laughs> and, was, and you were talking about one of the people he's collaborated with. Yeah. What was, what was that person's name again? I can't remember. Socrates? Socrates. He Socrates? Said. Yeah, he's like, oh he's sitting with Maestro, and he's like, and then, and then what, talk about the time he worked with Socrates, and Maestro he looks at me and goes, me. <laughs> it happens, right? It happens. I don't know. I'm yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens to us still at Indie when there's a new artist and, and you know, they don't spell it out and you're, you're, you have no idea. And you just, sometimes I won't say the artist's name if it's brand new. I'll just say the song name. So I'm like, I don't want to mess that up. Have you messed up on air, like someone's name? Oh, I'm sure I have. Yeah, but none, none that you would remember or recall. Uh, nothing that I remember now, no. No, but I'm sure I have. Nothing that I mess up everything. <laughs> I'm, that's my. That's all what I'm known for is messing things up. Which brings me to today's show in the morning. Okay. And the question was asked. Yeah. Right, because you were prepping for family going, feud. Family feud. Yes. That's right. Yes. And um, and and one of your co-hosts, I don't know, I can't remember if it was Matt, Matt, Matt yeah. was asking the questions. Yeah. And he said, "What one item in your kitchen would you not want someone?" Yeah. To put in their mouth. Yeah. And you said? Soup. <laughs> Soup. Out of all of the items in a kitchen. Do you want to know why I said that? <laughs> Tell me why you said Because I was not, cheating. Not, not deterred, not like, I don't know, some 
poison, rat poison or something no, under the sink. Or, I, I was or cheating. Uh-huh. He had his computer turned to me and I wanted to win. And I thought I saw soup, but it was actually soap. <laughs> so I just wanted to say it quicker than Carlin. I didn't even actually listen to the question. And I said, soup. But it was He had no clue soap. what you were asking. It was soap. Because I was going to ask, how good of a cook are you that you won't even oh, I don't have cook. your own soup? I don't cook. You no. don't cook no, at no, all. No, no, no. That, that makes how, sense. how was the experience on uh, Family Oh, my God. It was so it much fun. Yeah. I, I was really bad, but not bad like that. I was just normal bad. Like, I didn't say ridiculous things. It's it's quite difficult. Yeah. Like you go up, do you think you watch Family Feud? Family Feud Canada is coming to uh, to to our television, and uh, the media got to do a preview of it today. And you watch it on television, and you think, "Oh my god, I can easily play one of these game shows." And then you get there under that kind of pressure and those lights and the microphones and the cameras. And then they come to you, and Jerry D comes to me, and he's like, "All right, Josie, here we go, boom!" And you're, ah, um, I think I did okay, but I, I didn't. I got the third strike in one of the questions, uh, so you know. So is this going to be televised? Do you know? Um, I don't know parts of it, possibly. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. So you're at the edge. You get to interview all these cool musicians. Yes. Who was your first interview? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. Distillers. I don't even know who they are. Greg, Greg, take over. Yeah. (laughs) It was the worst. So it was the worst interview I've ever had in my entire life. Was it them? Was it you? Was it what was it? Um, it was them. I'm going to say it was them. It was them. Yeah. It was 9 a.m. I don't know if you know the distillers there. Uh, the reason people know the distillers is because yeah. she was married to Josh Homme of Queens of Stone Age. Okay. But they just separated last week. Uh-oh. Big deal. Oh, I see where we're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. Where are we so, going with this? There is a story. Do you know there is? No, there is. There is. Okay. Do you know there's a story? I, I think I'm, and that's, I'm I thought that's you. where you were going, Yuri, if you wanted this no, story. Do you no. want this story? I, no, but tell us a story now. <laughs> oh, there's a story. <laughs> okay. So... It was possibly the worst interview I've ever had. Uh, they came in drunk at 9 a.m. There was four of them, and my boss did not want them on the air, but I was a huge Distillers fan. Like, I actually really loved them. And um, it was my first interview, and so I was really excited. And I thought it wasn't horrible. Like, it wasn't the best, you know. They were drunk, so they gave me nothing, like absolutely nothing. And my boss is like, just talk about Queens of the Stone Age. That's all he really wanted was me to talk about Queens of the Stone Age. Because no one knows who this, like, not many people here know the distillers, right? So I kept on bringing up her boyfriend, Josh Homme of Queens of the Stone Age. She didn't like that. Anyway, um, so I guess this was about six months ago, maybe less than that. She, who at the time she's still with Josh, she posted the video of her and I. Oh. Yes, from back in 2001. And then um, the anatomy of an interview. She posted it online, talked all about the interview, um, which was awesome. And then, so the guys at work are like, don't do anything. Everyone, because everyone's like, oh, that's Josie, that's Josie, I know who that girl is. And the guys are like, just be, you know the bigger person and go online and say, oh, hey, Brody, I'm so glad you, you're you able to get that video. I've always wanted it for my archives or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wrote that and then I went home and deleted it and then went <laughs> and like wrote a million things on her um, Instagram oh, and then all her fans wrote to me and then Josh stepped in. Queens of the Stone Age. Yes. 
and started liking every one of my posts. And I was like, is he doing it to be funny? Or is he siding with me? Like, I don't know. Because he loved The Edge and yeah. we had a lot of interviews. Actually, when I had my baby, Josh sent me a message just to oh. say congratulations. It was really sweet. Um, I, he was in town and he, uh, we were supposed to get together for an interview and I actually went into labor and he sent me this beautiful message. So I thought, okay, maybe he's either really on my side or he's just joking around. Anyway, last week I find out they're divorcing. So I don't know why, <laughs> but I will say that, uh, he didn't like, you had a, I don't know. All I know is he liked everything I posted against his ex-wife. Ouch. So yeah, that yeah, was pretty interesting. That wow! I didn't you know. Awesome, idea right? I didn't know, know you had no idea. Yeah. I just wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. No, that was oh, my first ever interview at CFMY. It was horrible. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. What was the first interview that you did that you got excited about? Oh man, um, the, the thing is, back in those days, like it would be every day somebody was coming in. So I think probably the first big artist I had was Perry Farrell. I had him, um, which he was amazing. Uh, and then after that, I would, it's just, I got to interview Chris Cornell and I got to interview, um, Bono and I got to interview all of them. Yeah. So how yeah. are they, I guess not, I, I guess on the mic versus when the light's not on, like, are, do they turn into different, does the act come on? Like does Bono become Bono when Bono the light's on? Bono is always on. He's always Bono on. Bono is always, the lights on, always on. Um, it depends on who you're talking about. Uh, ah. Billy Corgan is the worst <laughs> human being ever. No, no, no. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Are, why, why, why? So Josie, there, there are, come there up are two things. Single oh, one. I can't stand Billy. <laughs> there are two Sorry. things that you and Greg now have in common. You don't like Billy either? I'm blocked on Twitter by Billy Corgan. Oh, of course you are. He blocked he, every, he's he, blocking everyone. He just, yeah. Because yeah. I keep bringing up that show, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Pearl Jam. Okay. That and yeah, yeah. Smashing Pumpkins show yeah. at the concert hall, and I I bring that up every chance I get because yeah. he was such an asshole. Oh, he is such an asshole. Okay, so let's let's start with Josie. Why Billy Corgan? Off air, um, we asked for a picture, and he just turned his nose down. Like he was no, he was not having it. Um, he was mean. He was cold. He was wow. he was just. I, there's not one thing I can actually say. Like he 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 just wasn't a great guy. And does it affect how? Whether it's Billy Corgan. I didn't do that interview. Bookie did that interview. Ah. So I just got to witness all of it. But yeah, it definitely affected the way Bookie interviewed him, for sure. That's crazy. Does that impact the music then that you listen to? Is he, fuck it, I'm not going to listen to Smashing Pumpkins anymore? Because he has so some hard, great right? music. He has some great music. I, I love his music. I despise him, but I love his music. Yeah, me too. I don't yeah. think, I don't think, I mean, that's a big debate. And you can start getting into Michael Jackson and all the rest. Mm-hmm. But um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, think it, I don't think it affects the way I listen to music. Yeah. What happened yeah. at, were you at that same concert? No. No? no what happened at the concert? What happened at the concert and what did you say to have Billy Corgan block you? Well, I think I just bring it up on Twitter numerous times. And yeah. He finally so you were being a bull block. You're I was being a him. troll. I was being a troll before there were Twitter trolls, I think, because I've been blocked for a very long time by him. Um, no, I just, I mean, it was, it was, we were all going to see Red Hot Chili Peppers. They were headlining. Smashing Pumpkins were opening up. And then opening up the actual, the, the whole show was this band that nobody knew. No, like they were, they were, 10 had been released, but wasn't doing anything at that point. And Pearl Jam get up there and absolutely crush it. Just mm. completely, like so we were good. all blown away. 
uh, Eddie Vedder's climbing across the uh, balcony. And I think he had a broken arm, but I'm not sure. But, I, you know, again, I have a great Eddie Vedder, Vedder story if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I was interviewing him, actually myself and an old broadcaster, Martin Streak, were at Molson Amphitheater. Um, he came out and there were all these fans there, but they didn't recognize him because he had just cut all his hair off. This is like the first time he showed up in public with his hair cut off. And he asked us where the closest bike path was. And no, he asked a guy in front of me where the closest bike path was. And this guy is like, are you, is it the most like, worth most amphitheater, right? He's like, I don't know, the QEW? And, <laughs> and Eddie's like, where's the QEW? And then so the guy started laughing his head off. He's like, go over there, man. Go on up and get, and you'll see the highway. Have fun. And he's like, thank you so much. Thank you. And then he left. And then I was like, you know, that was Eddie Vedder, right? And the guy's there to see Eddie Vedder. And he was like, oh, my God. Yeah. That, that, is, that is nuts. Yeah. There, there are, there are uh, as much as there are assholes like Billy Corgan, there are some super nice people. Oh, sure. And, like, like I remember I remember being at a, a, an awards show back when I used to play back in the day. And uh, this guy bumps into me. And and I turn around and he goes, oh, I'm I'm terribly sorry, I I, I bumped into you. Uh, my name's my name's Robert Palmer. <laughs> it's just like uh, I know your like, name. <laughs> like I don't know who you are. Yeah. Like that's class. Yeah. Right. That's the opposite of Billy Corp. Yeah, I agree. Wow. I'm on the, we're, we're together on this. Thanks. Thanks. Music man. Yeah, this. Exactly. Yeah. Look at look at this. There's so much more we're gonna yeah. learn about each other <laughs> that we didn't we're know friends. over the last ten years. Yeah. Now, I guess let me ask this: Who's the nicest person you've had a chance to interview? Oh God. Um, the nicest? Yeah. Or someone who you thought, this guy, I know he's a jerk or she's a jerk or whatever, but afterwards you go, dang, that, this person's actually pretty cool. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I have anybody like that, that uh, comes to the top of my mind. Let me think here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think they... I don't have that many. I don't have expectations. Yeah, I kind of just go in because you never know how you're going to get an artist and what they're going to be like. Some of my favorite interviews. I mean, I think I've probably vocally talked about this, expressed this a lot. Of Gord Downey is amazing. He was amazing, so yeah. he's up there. Um, and uh, as for the others, uh, I don't know. Chris Martin was great. Mm. When you, you, you mentioned Gord. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about was not about Gord, but the inspiration and your trip to Nunavut and the Kualoit. Oh, Nunavut, yes. Or can I pronounce that properly? Yeah. Apparently not. But yeah, yeah. just like you, you. Yeah. None of it was incredible. Um, myself, so why did you go and when did you go? I went to none of it uh, just after Gord passed. So okay. like 2000, I guess it was the beginning of 2018. And I went with Dallas. Uh, Dallas Green City and Color. So my husband manages Dallas, and so we went. Uh, we all went up there, and Dallas went to play up there. And oh. yeah, so we got a um, actually a company sent him up there, and so I wanted to kind of join. I don't usually tour with my husband, but I wanted to go this time, and it was so eye opening and unbelievable and um, depressing and. Uh, 
yeah, it was it was one of those experiences. It costs a lot of money to go to none of it. A lot of money. The plane flight just to get there. The hotel. Do you know what? It's fifteen dollars for a watermelon there. Fifteen dollars because everything has to be shipped in. And when we went, it was in July, and it was sunny for almost twenty three hours of the day, which. There's a small window of that. Right now, it's completely black, like pitch dark. It's completely black up there, and you can't see anything. Um, but uh, there's no roads. It's all just mud. It's, it's a small, tiny town where the houses, they're not even houses. They're like, kind of like little portables everywhere, shacks, and they're falling into the ground. And it's, uh, it's just it's sad. It's really mm-hmm. sad. Did you come away with any appreciation or sort of a burning to to want to do something really curious in terms of for sure what you left with oh my gosh for sure i wish we could all go to none of it and to other areas mushja and other areas to see what's going on but um yeah i mean i don't think i really understood what gord wanted to do and why it was such a huge concern especially when he was dying from cancer and i thought oh my god you're dying from cancer and you have this amazing platform right now to raise money for brain, you know, brain cancer. And yet he wanted to talk about the indigenous issues. And then you go up there and you see what they're going through and you see not just that you see, talk to the people. I, I talked to a lot of girls, my age, I went to a, 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 a cemetery where it was under 25 year olds. So you think, why is that? It was 25 and under it's all suicides, 25 and under. Mm-hmm. And most of it comes from, mental health. And the reason why is because it comes from generation to generation. So their parents or their grandparents were told they were worthless human beings over and over, especially in these residential schools. So they have zero self-worth and then they teach their children the same sort of values and it's kind of instilled in them. And these young girls I was talking to, they're like, it's so hard to have self-esteem because my mom had zero self-esteem. So if your parents have zero... And it's just, that's just one tiny, tiny issue compared to the million of other issues they have. Did you, did you see or experience any beauty up there? Oh my God. The the land is beautiful. Yeah. The land is gorgeous. You kind of feel like the clouds and you are one, like they're, they're so far down. They're so low. And, um, even just the polar bears you get to see and they're dangerous and, um, yeah, you kind of feel at one, whether whatever your religious beliefs are, you feel at one with, with your God or whoever that is because you feel like you're right up there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. That is nuts. How, how, does, how does that 23 hours of daylight, does that mess with you? Yeah, it's hard to sleep. Yeah, or when I mean, you're tired, you're just tired, or yeah, I like it, I I tried to stay up the whole time because we were only there for four days, so I okay. really wanted to stay up and just be like, when is it going to get dark outside? It's not <laughs> dark. Um, it definitely messes with you, and I'm sure it's right now when it's pitch black up there, it's messing with them as well. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. That's an experience. Oh yeah, it is for sure. Yeah, um, it's freezing. I was there in July, and I was wearing a winter jacket. Really? Even in July? It, it was, I mean, I probably had a cold time. Like, it was a little cold. There was a cold front coming in, and it was cold. But, um, yeah, it was cold. It was like eight degrees. You've had a chance, correct me if I'm wrong, to interview both of the Gallagher brothers? Yes. Oasis? Do yes. They, do, how, how, do they, no. Oh. Tell me about Noel. Say? <laughs> tell me Which about one's Noel. better? Is that what you're going to ask Is it me? Noel? Of course it's Noel. Really? Oh, my God. There's no question. 
Noel is considerate. He looks at you. He stares through you. He's beautiful. He's funny. He writes all the good songs. He, uh, he's witty. His brother's the asshole drunk. Wow. Yeah. Because I can never tell on Twitter. Like, Oh, no, it's always Noel. Noel's the best one. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Although Liam has a good song right now, a really good song. Yeah. But it's usually always Noel. Somebody else wrote, must have written Somebody that song. <laughs> yeah. No props at all <laughs> no, for no, him. None. Who have you not interviewed that you oh, no. would love oh. to chat with? In this genre, I don't know if I have ever not interviewed somebody I, I've wanted to interview. Um, that's a, isn't that crazy? Have you interviewed Neil Young? No, I've never interviewed Neil. Young. You don't want to, but um, no, I would like to. Okay. Are you, are you to, mad? Are you yes. mad? I got, to, I got to have a conversation with him, though. Oh wait, wait, yeah, time out. Yeah, I did. Right. I got to have a, in, in Peterborough. Um, I got to have a oh, when he when came up show? to do the show, that ah. private show, but it wasn't taped, and that was amazing. Tell me about that. That was awesome. Um, I was I was lucky enough to get one. I of would the die spots. and go to heaven after that. Oh, it was great. I was lucky enough to get one of the spots that there and. All of his neighbors were there, and we were sitting with his neighbors. And, uh, yeah, it was just – it was awesome. I mean, I don't know if I – I probably had nothing to say to him. That's the thing. Like, when you're – it's Neil Young. What are you supposed to say? Well, what did you say? I don't know. I think Joel did. My husband did most of the talking. Um, we were really interested in why he did that show for Bell. You know that show that he did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Homecoming? Home, Homeward Bound? Something like that. Yeah, because it was in his hometown. Homecoming, it was yeah. just near Peterborough. What's the town near Peterborough that he's from? Oh, Mimi. Oh, Mimi. Oh, Mimi. Right. Yes. And he still knows everybody in Omimi. And I think that his parents or his dad still lives in Omimi. And I think that's what we talked so his about. Dad, so there's a school. His dad has passed. Yes. There's a school, school. named after his yes. dad. Yeah. Yes. And, they, and he gives all the money and he does concerts for that school. Yeah. Yes. That is crazy. Yeah, and when he was there, yeah, uh, instead of getting a hotel, we were in the only hotel that was there, and it was a shithole. But he instead brought his trailer up, and him and his, I guess, girlfriend at the time, they just lived in the trailer for that a week so, before that show. That is so cool. That's yeah. my dream interview. Yeah. So, so here's one thing that I'm worried about, and you tell me whether you've experienced this. Sure. Is interviewing your hero or your heroes yeah. and walking away disappointed. Well, mine was Gord, and it was amazing. Oh. So I didn't walk away disappointed. Nice. My second would be probably Noel Gallagher. And, really? And I love Oasis, and yeah. Noel was unbelievable. Um, I think that would – I don't think I have any other musical heroes. Yeah. I Chris Cornell, I mean, mm-hmm. even if you don't like – Soundgarden. You're, How can you, you not like Soundgarden? Right, How maybe, you but you'd still love Audio Slave because Audio Slave sure. was unbelievable. Um, it really was. I feel like there needed to be another Audio Slave <laughs> album, and Chris Cornell was great. Yeah. It was really good. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I, I think I'm, I, I studied for those ones. You know, really, yeah. The other ones I don't study for, but the ones that you really love, you study for. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, I, I want to talk about two people that you've mentioned already. Yes. Um, so I was, I come from the CFTR days, okay. right? So that was, that was my music. I would listen to CFTR, top six at six, um, you know, listening to their DJs, Tom Rivers, Mike Cooper. That, that's who I listened to. Yeah. Um, I was never a CFNY person for some reason. 
Um, never into that. Never, you know, as I was growing up, you know, my formative years, never, never listened to that stuff. Um, so I never got to know and experience people like Martin Streak. Yeah. Um, or even Bookie. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think I remember hearing Bookie just, you know, recently before he, obviously before he passed. Um, so, you know, and I've heard people talk about the importance of these two gentlemen. Yeah. Um, talk to me about the, the humanity of them. So, for, you know, first, you know, Martin Streak. Who was he? What did he mean to Toronto, to you? So Martin and I worked together for about, I guess, maybe five years before he passed. Um, we weren't really close. I was close with his girlfriend, very close. She was, she's, she is one of my best friends. Mm. Um, but he was a lot older than I was. So I was young doing swing, but he did his evening show and he was always great to me. He'd bring me, and he always had a crowd, right? So when you're doing your show, it's just usually you and your microphone, but everybody wanted to watch Martin work because he was, he had a way about him. He had his own language. Um, he talked in a manner that no other broadcaster talked. He was cool. Like he dripped and oozed cool, you know, where everyone kind of wanted to be like him or wanted a piece of what he had. He owned the nightclub scene in Toronto. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, to be around him, you felt like you were part of that, like part of this, this life that he had that, seemed like it was bigger than ever, wow. you know? Um, he was definitely a mentor. He definitely put me on the radio every time I was in the studio with him. So I would just be there like on the side computer working and he'd be like, Josie, get the mic on, open it up, open it. Let's talk. Um, most of my friends were extremely, like really close to him. Hmm. So, but I was also the new girl, even after five years, I was still the new girl. Yeah. Um, but, um, he also had his demons, and I'm sure everyone will, will, will knows that. And uh, he was extremely passionate, sometimes too passionate at work. You know, he fought and championed bands. My, my husband started the Arkells. The Arkells would never have been on the radio if it weren't for Martin. Really? And I was in those music meetings where we, in those music meetings, we would fight in those meetings, all of us. Like we would fight over what we thought should. This was back in the day when we had a, a voice, see, yeah. And we would fight over what should and should not be on the radio. And Martin got our Kells on the radio. I hope, I hope Max, if you're listening, you remember that. But he definitely did. Wow. Mm -hmm. My 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 favorite music meeting story about Martin was this: we going back to, uh, early '90s, and Earl Jive was leading like. PD, I think, at the time or whatever, and, and Martin was young and we were all young, and Earl had our band come in and play us as one of the songs, as, you know, they were reviewing the songs. But what really stuck out with me has nothing to do with that, has to do with, it was when um, Faith No More released War Pigs, the copy of Black Sabbath. And I just remember Earl puts that on, and Martin starts flopping on the ground, and just the personality, and this is the first time I had a chance to meet him, the personality that came out of it was just like it was just it just overwhelmed the room. Yeah, it was just absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. People still talk. I mean, people still wish that obviously that he was he was part of CFMY and when he was let go, that was uh, from the edge. That was 
That was a hard hit to every single listener. Yeah. It was hard. Wow. Talk to me about Bookie. Oh, He's Bucky. like, everyone seems to know him. Mm-hmm. Um, like, who, who was he? What did he mean to the music industry in Toronto? Well, to, yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. He meant everything um, to the music industry in Toronto. He also championed bands, but all the time. He, um, he connected people. That's what he did, not just on air, but off air. He found a little indie artist and connected them to a record label. He found a record label guy and connected them to a New York management company. He connected people. He was unique. He was eccentric. He took me on, this little girl from Pickering with blonde hair who walked into CFMY, this radio station full of intimidating men. At the time, that's what it was. Hmm. There's no Maypots. It was it was intimidating to walk into that role at that at that job. It was um, like with coming from like the suburbs. It was hard to do. And I think the only reason I fit in and stayed there for 17 years is because I had my best friend Bookie beside me. That's yeah. why. And the reason Bookie was my best friend was because he saw past the suburb girl from Pickering. And that's what he did with everybody. There was no judgment. There was, he knew who you were. He got to know you. He asked questions. He, um, he was eccentric in the way that he wasn't what you think he was. You know, you think he's this, uh, as he would say, this Jewish man, you know, he said, everyone thinks I'm a certain way. I'm this Jewish guy who's, you know, I'll, I'll, so cool because he had this cool vibe like Bookie has had a cool cool vibe but yet he'd watch Gilmore Girls with me (laughs) he would watch soap operas every single day he'd call me and we'd spend two hours on the phone together while we were watching television before he died he he used to call my kids all the time too and he'd FaceTime them and I remember looking at my phone and being like there's this FaceTime message with Bookie that lasted 16 minutes. And I was like, what is that? And it was my, at the time, it was my four-year-old who just by accident FaceTimed him. And probably Bookie watched him look at the couch and <laughs> up in the ceiling. And I don't think my four-year-old even knew that Bookie was there. But Bookie waited the whole time while my son was on FaceTime with him. Bookie, uh, obviously, yeah, it was a big loss to the music community, to his friends, to his family. Just, yeah. Can, can we... Can we talk about Music Counts? Yeah. Because I know last year, Kelly, your school was a beneficiary of of, of uh, a grant by Music Counts. So mm-hmm. so in Bookie's honor, you guys have been raising a significant amount of funds yeah. for Music Counts. Yeah. So, so we um so far we're we're gonna give ninety thousand. We raised seventy thousand in one day. Wow. The week after Bookie passed. And we're giving 90000 and we're going to do another um, – we're basically going to go to all the schools, uh, 10 of them this year. We're starting in January, so we'll do a couple a month and give them instruments and then teach them about Bookie. Wow. And it'll be like they're getting the instruments um, in memory of Bookie, and we're going to tell them a little bit about who Bookie was and, yeah. and why he was so important in the music scene. That's awesome. Yeah. Apparently he had this huge record collection. Yeah, he had. We just sold it all, um, all for music counts. We sold yeah. it at Sonic Boom, and and he had, I guess, about six hundred records wow. there. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's really really cool. Um, you spent time at the Edge. 
Yes. Did you have both of your kids while you were there? Yes. Yeah. They got and, me for two mat leaves. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because they were owned by Chorus, yes, you had an opportunity to do television as well. Sure. Also, I will. Sure. I don't like to word it like that. Okay. I auditioned for the TV that sure, I was yeah, in, yeah. and there was about 600 girls, and we went through a, a real rigorous process, and then I got the job. I like yeah. to say it like that instead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it helped that, I guess, I did oh, work absolutely. in the company. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How was TV very different than radio? Oh, my God, yeah. Very different. What sort of muscles are you starting to use in television rather than radio? What do you have to do? It's funny. People always think that you can do one or the other and that they're easily interchangeable and they're not. Um, It's completely a different muscle. It's uh, not just teleprompter, but it's how you look, how you talk, how you move your hands, how you sound convincing. And then how you look again. Um, yeah, so this is completely different. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a preference? Oh, radio is my preference. Yeah? Oh, my God, yeah. If, if TV were my preference, I probably would have stayed at Chorus. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So that, that was sort of leads to the question, is you had all these opportunities. You're doing a lot of different things yeah. at Chorus. Mm-hmm. Was it your choice to leave? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Why? Why, why leave a cool location? Yeah. Um, a, a, a company where there's tons of opportunity to go to this little house in Liberty Village. <laughs> oh, this little house is not so little anymore. Um, why did I leave? Well, I guess there was a lot of, a series of events that kind of led to me leaving. Um, I had done a morning show after Dean Blundell left with a, a couple of people that didn't work out. And then... Um, I had two mat leaves and I was kind of shuffled around during my mat leaves. Okay. Um, my second mat leave, I came back, I was about to come back and then they told me I had a one hour show and I was like, I'm not going to go on. I knew what the outcome would be. If you start doing a one hour show on radio, give yourself six months and you'll be fired. That's what I thought. Mm. And they tried to convince me, no, we're going to make you the music girl and we're going to do a one hour just about music with you. And, you know, and it was, I think there were great intentions, but it's not what I wanted to do. Indy came to me and they were like, listen, we have this opportunity for you to do a morning show. So I was like, okay, I don't know if I want to leave chorus. I had this great TV career going at chorus as well. So I kind of told chorus, listen, Indy's come. And chorus was like, okay, well, we'll give you a morning show. So... And a TV show. And you know what? I love you, Chorus, but I kind of like the ex-boyfriend where it's like, yeah, okay, we'll give it to you now that someone else wants you, you know? Yeah. I just didn't feel inspired, and I was really excited about indie. I just, I'd been listening to it a lot, and I felt like they were on the verge of blowing up, and I think it was a really good decision. Yeah. The opportunity. The, the opportunity. Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love Chorus, and I love all the people at Chorus. I just think where I was, I had been there for 17 years, and I needed something different. And that was my, you know, that was my kind of start a new life. Challenge. At Indy. Yeah. And I think it worked out really well. You've got a husband that has this record label that's doing fantastically well. Mm-hmm. Um, you do in the morning show, and you got two little toddlers mm-hmm. running. You're like, how do you manage uh, you should see our, our life is so chaotic. It's so chaotic. It's it's actually sometimes I think it's like, am I living my life or am I running from one place to another <laughs> to another? I get up at quarter to four in the morning and I have to, um, I can't put my 
Are you ready for this? This is how you know how crazy my life is. So I can't put my alarm on because I sleep with my son who has special needs and he needs to be beside me. That's his thing. So we're fine. So I put my phone in my sock. So I have socks on. Sock. I wear socks to sleep because the vibration even on the counter will wake him up. So I put it in my sock so that I can hear it vibrate on my foot. And then I slowly go down to my foot to take it out without turning the light on. Because if the light turns on, he wakes up. I tiptoe into the bathroom where all my clothes are. I have a flashlight. I put the flashlight on in the bathroom to brush my teeth. Usually by that time he's woken up. Yeah. Um, and then he needs to watch me leave. He needs to leave he, at four in the morning. Okay. He needs, it's his, he's got, he's, he's got some issues. He needs to see my car leave the house. So I have a nanny come to the house at four. Yeah. He watches me leave. And then I go do my show. And then my husband's up at five. And sometimes my husband comes home at 10 to five and then gets up with the kids at five. Wow. Yeah. That's that our is, life. That's crazy. It's that actually crazy. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you inspired the two of us to do that we've never done Put your before. phone in your sock when you go to sleep? No. Oh. <laughs> How did you? <laughs> um, no, no. We've never done this before. We talked about this last week or the week before. Week and before. we both went and got our flu shots before today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And. Yeah. Which it's, is a bigger deal it, for you. Well, it's a huge deal for me because I hate needles. I, I mean, Kelly was with me and I told the nurse that I might have to lie down or I'd be lying down by the end of this. But, but no, it just, just, um, Heard we, we, we thought we wanted, no, knowing how big of an advocate you are. Yes. We wanted to make sure it's not a great us, just yeah. you inspired us. Well, I think there are a number of reasons why I think everyone in this room should have their flu shot. And I hope everybody has now I'm going to be like the medical side of me, but um, yeah, a major reason is my son has special needs and he has an immune issue and he exposed to any virus in a room, he could die. And when everybody is, has the flu shot, you have a better chance of not getting it. Um, I know what people say, and there's so many ridiculous myths out there. You can't get the flu from the flu shot. You can't get the flu from the flu shot. It's so simple. It's a dead virus. I just don't know why these stupid things keep, you know, being brought up. And when there are kids out there who have my, – my son's in to kids probably four to five times a year with pneumonia. And wow. it's like touch and go a lot of the time. And it's really, really scary. So if we can, you know, if more people – especially the mothers in his kindergarten class or his grade one class. Um, if more people can get the sh their, their flu shot, then, you know, it, it helps. Does it impact, you know, you talk about the school that your son goes to. Does it impact you sending your son to school? Sure. Yes. Yeah? So last year I had him in a Montessori where we were, there was only eight kids in the class. Um, it didn't help. I thought it may help, but it didn't help. So this year we thought, okay, we'll just try a public school and we'll see how it goes knock on wood, somebody for me, but it's been a really good year so far. Okay. Last year at this time, my son was off 30 days. So, and wow. it's November from illness. So this year has been way better. Um, and then we're hoping for the best. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Get your flu shot. Please. Get your flu shot. There you please. go. Everybody get your flu shot. There's the lesson for so the like such a mom, eh? Get your flu shot, please. You've been in radio for a long time. Um, and hopefully many more years to hopefully. come. But so much has changed the way we listen to music. Sure. 
right? Um, there are so many morning shows to listen to. There's so many ways that people have access to listen to music. Yeah. There's podcasts now. Um, how do you, like, does that weigh on you? Do you think about that when you're in meetings to, to figure out what to do that day or for the show that week? How, how has that impacted your job? How does that impact the way you think about doing your job? I'm a content creator. I like to think all of us are. And I think when radio dies, I'll still have a job, whether it be like you guys are doing podcasting or um, hosting my own Netflix show or, you know, you never know. That's the thing. You, you, you never know when, you're, when you create context. So the medium doesn't scare me. The medium of radio, I am a believer. I still think it's easy and it's local and in specifically mm. the morning time people still need to know what's happening locally in their city. So I'm a believer in radio. Um, I don't think it's going away yet, but I understand it's changed. I get that. I listen to podcasts all the time. I love podcasts. I run to podcasts. So, um, but I also think that just means there's more opportunity for people who create content too. I don't change my show um, because I just do the show for show for the people who are there. Yeah. And then if people want to come or leave, that's fine. But I do it for the people who are listening. And uh, I think uh, we've done really well. We've had a really good year on Indie so nice. with ratings. So we're doing really well. All righty. You say you listen to podcasts while you run. Yeah. Your favorite podcast is? I love Joe Rogan. I know that's a normal yeah, answer. Sorry. I well, get it. Thank you for showing up. Appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> I do listen to it. I do often. Um, but... Now, he's got some crazy views. He does. What does he think of the flu shot? I don't know. I bet I don't you know if he's a, I'm sure shot. he doesn't get the flu shot. <laughs> Asshole. Um, but I, I, I listen because of that. He shocks me with so many of the th different things he, he says. But I, I'm also somebody who listens to, like, okay, so I'm a bit of a hypochondriac, so I have sure. every... Every have you doctor. always been? Have you always been? Yeah, I've always oh, been. Okay. I've had every doctor podcast on my phone. I've listened to all of them, and my like, Mike Joel keeps saying, "You got. I, I'm going to take your phone away from you. Stop watching." Now I'm like gluten free, sugar free, dairy free because of a podcast I listen to. So, yeah. <laughs> it says here uh -oh. that you eat a popsicle a day. What? Who said that? Did I say that? Yeah. Oh, I think that was like in 1999. That's the thing. I don't eat popsicles it's anymore. Not, not no. anymore. No, no. Fair enough. So it's a good thing you didn't go and get the popsicles like you were going to go. <laughs> we were going to go get popsicles. You no, know, I think someone may have wrote something clever and put popsicle a day in there or something. I used to for my snack. Um, was back in Cosmo days. Billie Eilish. Yeah. Enjoy her music? I do. What's with this controversy about her not knowing Van Halen? Oh, I just saw a little bit of that today. We hardly talked about that. I guess she didn't know Van Halen. Van Halen people got upset with her for not knowing, and then she got upset. I, you know, I think love music. It's it's a different it's a different demographic. Yeah. So Wolfgang Van Halen, which is Eddie's son, I think. Anyway, he's playing now in the band. His half this room doesn't know who Van Halen is. If you ask them. Half don't know who Billie Eilish is. Half don't know who Van Halen is. True. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And right. we'll stay and listen to music. All right. My kids know right. Billie anyway, Eilish. They're four. Um, Wolfgang, Wolfgang tweeted, if you don't know who Billie Eilish is, give her a listen. She's really cool. If you don't know who Van Halen is, give it a listen. Yeah. They're really cool. Music brings listen. us together, not separates us. And the, the shitstorm that's happened on Twitter is just ridiculous. Like, I just, like, just stupid. 
It's music. I agree. Which, 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 leads, which yeah. leads me to ask you this question about being a woman in broadcasting. Okay. Because I had no clue about this issue, uh, but I saw Raina Duris yeah. tweet about it and, and mentioned that these are the sorts of things um, that, you know, she's in broadcasting as well, that women in broadcasting have faced for years and years and years. How do you deal, especially with social media now, and for- everyone's got a platform to say whatever it is they want to say without a filter. Um, how do you deal with this stuff? Wait, what did Raina, what did Raina say? Sorry. She, she said um, what Billie Eilish has gone through, I don't know, these past days or these past hours or whatever it was, uh, is similar to what female broadcasters have gone through. Um, and, you know, giving, giving her support to Billie Eilish that she shouldn't have to go through this just because of her age or her gender or whatever it is. Okay. You know, people going on Twitter and slamming her for yeah, not knowing who um, Van Halen is or was. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, if, if, an, uh, if, a, if a male actor or a male musician said something similar to that, wouldn't have gotten half of the... Justin Bieber on. didn't. Justin Tell Bieber, I don't remember, now. but uh, someone probably here can remember Justin Bieber saying something about an artist not knowing who it was. Yeah. And I think people just, just slammed, on, slammed on him. He's easy to hate. I don't him. know if that's a female-male issue. Yeah? Okay. I don't want to make Fair everything female-male issue. All right, good. We have good. enough issues that we can just focus <laughs> on our actual issues. Um, no offense to Raina, but I, I, yeah, I don't want to do that. I, I think... I, I don't. I don't. I think if you took Billie Eilish out of that equation and put somebody else in, same like, thing would have happened. The same thing would have happened. Yeah. People are just ready to jump on, on um, you know, to protect their artists. And Van Halen fans, I'm sure, protected their artists. As a female, of course, of course, being in, like I, I said, being at CFMY, it was uh, it was all men. I, I don't even remember having a female boss back in the day, and it was intimidating men, and it was. You know, there was going, having a mat leave, worrying about your job. And, you know, Mm. no one understands that until you come back and you have an hour show after you had one of the highest rated shows on the station and you go away for eight months. And then it's, it's, it's definitely hard. And there's, but that's just not at CFMY. That's everywhere. That was everywhere. I think things are changing. I hope things are changing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, indie, like that, we're all females. It's, it's you know, my general manager is a female. The um, head of promotions is female. I'm a female leading the morning show, basically leading these two guys, yeah. right? Um, so I feel very empowered. I feel like it's it's. I think for me in my life, the hardest part, I think, would be the gender issue between my husband and I when it comes hmm. to who's, whose work is more important, hmm. right? Do you guys argue about it? You have arguments about this? We don't. Him and I don't. Old Other people, people do. Ah. Other people kind of are like, uh, you know, your husband owns this record company and manages bands. Um, he's the breadwinner. You know what I mean? I think sure. a lot of people look at Joel as this big power, which he is, he's a powerful man in the music industry. But then you kind of, I kind of feel a little more invisible because of it. Mm. So that would be, I guess if you were to look at any, I mean, I know there's a lot of female issues out there. Um, how do you, me, I'm doing well with my career. How do you and Joel deal with the 
with people from the outside sort of placing one above the other? Um, Because you both have demanding jobs. We both have demanding jobs. And you both have two children that need attention. Yes. Right? How, How do you guys deal with all of this? stuff. I don't know if we do. It's hard. Okay. <laughs> it is, I don't know if we do. You know, that's like, who's, whose night is more important? Mm. You know what I mean? Like who, yeah. who needs to go out this night more important? And, and we have a child with special needs and there needs to be somebody there all the time. So it's really quite difficult. I yeah. think that's our biggest challenge. Um, I definitely probably feel uh, as if, oh, you're Joel's wife, you're Joel's wife, you're Joel's mm. wife. Right? Yeah. There's that for sure. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> but yeah are you an introvert i am so how are you like on the radio how do you do this uh this is uh, how do you completely do uncomfortable for me i you know i'm not an introvert i'm an extrovert i when you get to know me i'm probably the loudest person at my family dinner i'm the yeah. loudest person with my girlfriends but in new places, I'm not great at talking mm. to people. I'm awkward. Joel always says, my husband is a complete extrovert. He's like, you're the awkward person in the room. <laughs> but when you get to know me, Bookie and I were the same like that. Okay. Or then we actually really do speak quite often. But um, the microphone is, is a lot easier to talk through a microphone when, when no one's around. I talk to nobody every morning. Like, honestly, <laughs> I say stupid things like you said, that soup comment. I don't think anyone's actually listening. I just, I just say whatever comes out of my mouth on this show. But also, I, I feel as if people like that about me. Yeah. People enjoy that. People enjoy the fact that I'm completely real. And, um, you know, I can hold my own when we talk politics or when we talk religion or any of the other issues that we do talk about on Indie quite often. But when it comes to day-to-day stuff, I don't give a fuck what I say. I couldn't care less. I just have fun. Okay, let's talk about politics and religion. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Private or public health care? Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, so that, that's that's one that's going to get me a little bit in trouble. Uh, I'm going because pro- you've had you've had to deal with. I've had recently. to deal with it. So I, yeah. I had my son living at the hospital for the first six months of his life, and if if healthcare were private at that time, I would be completely broke right now. Thank God for not uh, not private healthcare. The same time, my mom works in private healthcare. And currently, I would love to get my son an MRI and pay and go to Buffalo. Or to get for any woman out there, if you want a gynecology appointment to get like your test once a year versus once every three years, you can go to Buffalo for $110 and get it. No problem. Things like that. I love that we live on the border for things like that. I would like private, public. That's what I would like. All right. I know people are hating me for that. <laughs> I know. Greg- and also, my mom works in healthcare, so that's a, it's a big issue for us. Greg has a religion question. I have a religion question. Don't you? No. Okay. All right. I thought you did. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on. I'm ready. Let's talk religion. Um, well, let's talk about religion. <laughs> Why not? Well, not, not religion gen- generally, but, but not specifically, but generally, right? Okay. A lot, a lot of people said, this has nothing to do with music or anything. Okay, that's fine. But a lot of people said that the reason that Sheer lost the election was because he he didn't commit. <laughs> he didn't commit to whether gay, he he believed he in gay marriage or something like that. Like he yeah. he didn't you know he sort of skirted around the issue. Sure. What do you think about that? Um, I I don't think anybody in Toronto would have let Sheer get in. Um, it was obvious that it was obvious for that. But I think that the Conservatives had a really good shot after Trudeau just shit the bed. I think they had a really good shot, and I think economically. 
he would have gotten in, but socially there's no way. There's no way when he did not fight for women, he did not fight for our rights, and he publicly didn't stand up for himself. There's no way. I saw Jim Jeffries a couple weeks back, well, just around the election time, and he said, his comment was, how bad do you have to be when you lose to Trudeau? Yeah. And again, whatever you think of Trudeau or not, and that's not my point. <laughs> Even though we're talking politics now. <laughs> Black face and brown face. Like, how do you... Well, yeah, I mean, just, just everything. Like, it was laid out. To your yes. point, it was laid out for the conservatives. It should have been a conservative win. And... Yeah. yeah. Nope. No. Does yeah. Trudeau come back? Like, well, I know no. he's... he's here, but he's... No, he ne- he's never the same pretty boy that everyone loved in America. He'll never be that boy yeah, again. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. Josie, thank you so much. Thank you. I really, yes, we thanks. really appreciate this. Thanks for your time. I know you're busy. I know you have to wake up like in a few hours already. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, a few more hours until I wake up. So thank you again. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Thank you. So obviously, I never look at my notes. We got to, we got to thank again, Radical Road, uh, and before the flood, that's going to play. Steve, thank you so much. Wherever there you are, thank you so much for your hospitality. Uh, thank you to everyone who uh, who came and listened. Um, and if you are feeling generous today, please uh, consider making a donation to Socks for Souls Canada. You can do it when you uh, take care of your bill uh, today, or you can uh, go online, uh, socksforsouls.ca. Or you can go to indiatiate.com, and there's a link right there to our sock page. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you again. <laughs>